I think it's so important to understand how a company works and how do we communicate? How are decisions being made? Are we really hierarchical or is it more decision by committee or how focused are we are on quarterly goals versus annual goals? And I think those are all things that you learn as part of onboarding besides the obvious, this is my job and this is who I work with and those sort of things. I'm Adam Connors from NetworkWise and your host of Who's Who in HR. Ask any successful CEO about the most important aspect of their company and they'll inevitably answer their people. And who is it that's responsible for their people? It's human resources. In fact, HR is the backbone of any elite organization. They attract, develop, and engage top talent, progress culture, secure and manage important benefit programs, Make sure you're appropriately paid, protect the best interest of each employee and the company, and so much more that, quite frankly, often gets taken for granted. On Who's Who in HR, I'll have in-depth discussions with well-known human resource leaders who offer insights into who they are, how they got there, and the areas they support. During our conversation, these leaders will reveal beneficial industry advice and innovative trends in the HR space that's contributing to keeping the world's most successful companies at the top of their game. My guest in this episode is Karen Weeks. She oversees the HR function of Order Grove, which is a startup company. It's a unique opportunity for Karen because she gets to be more involved with the day-to-day operations of the company given its current size. Karen has a great perspective on what it's like working in HR for a small up and coming company and explains that it just might not be an environment that fits for everyone. Let's dive right in. Karen Weeks, welcome to the show. Thank you for making today happen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. I guess before this, we should probably thank the man that made this happen. What do you say we give him a shout out? I think that's fair. Is it fair that we give his company a plug too? Absolutely. I love his company. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, without further ado, Chris Allaire from Averity made this conversation happen. I just to give you the background, Karen, I actually have known Chris's wife, Sandra, who's fantastic. And I'd met her years back and just getting to know her. She's like, you've got to meet my husband. And I don't know, it just took her so long. The guy's awesome. And as I'm sure you can attest to, you know, how good of a guy he is. And, and if you want to talk about his company, and then we'll make this about you. How about that, Karen? Sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Chris is one of those people where you actually feel like he cares about finding the right people for the right companies, not just filling the roles so they get the commission. We've hired several Averity candidates at Order Groove, and every single time, no matter who I work with on his team, I really feel like they're a partner in helping us make sure we get the right people uh, for the right team at the right salary with the right benefits and all those different things that go into especially those final moments. I really feel like they are a great team over there. So if you're looking for an agency, I have no problem plugging them because I think they're great. Well, you know what? I'm I'm also going to throw this back to you because it's, and they are good. And Chris, if you're listening, I, I, this is not to take anything away from you, but Karen, your style, and those are some of the things that he kind of talked about why he made this introduction. It takes two to tango. So yeah, they are good and they do a good job and they do care. And like you said, when it comes down to that kind of crunch time where you've got to get somebody that's going to either accept a job or move from somewhere else or whatever it might be, 
it's so important to have a good partner. And I know that because I used to own an executive search firm and it really made a huge difference who our contact was. So I, that is definitely, I, I think it's a testament to you. I think it's a testament to him. And I think it's just a testament to when you put really good people together, making things happen and making a relationship. It's another reason and it shows how it comes full circle when opportunities like you and I sitting down today happen. So, yes. so I think this is a kudos to both of you. Probably a good time right now for those who are listening to get a better understanding of kind of who you are and what it is that you're doing. Do you mind giving an explanation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am the head of people at a company called Order Groove. We are a SaaS platform that does recurring revenue programs for retailers and brands. So this is the very simplest version of it. But if you were to go to PetSmart.com and buy a bag of dog food, it would ask if you want to sign up for auto ship. And that's our program running and recognizing the fact that dog food is eligible for a subscription and then running the whole program for PetSmart after that. I've been there about four years and we've grown significantly as a team. We've gone through some interesting changes through COVID. Luckily, We've been on the okay side of it. Obviously, lots of change for the team and the business to think through. And then in addition to that, just love what I do. I made the change from theater 15 plus years ago to come into HR. And I love helping people with their careers. I love helping earlier company, earlier stage companies find the right culture that's right for them and help grow and expand it as they go through different changes. And with that, I have the opportunity to share that love through speaking and writing and conversations like this, just to kind of share all the things I've learned over the years to maybe help other people who might be in similar situations. It's a shame you're just not passionate about this. <laughs> it does exude maybe just a little bit. <laughs> you left out one thing that you do. Yes. So I actually just started a podcast. It is about people who are going through career changes. It's called Getting Off the Hamster Wheel and refers to if you feel stuck in your current career, how can you reevaluate what you actually want to do and find the career that's right for you? And we interview folks who have made 180 degree changes like I did from theater to HR to other folks that just maybe weren't in the right industry or find out that they really just want to do more of their passion on the side, which actually makes them feel less stuck because they don't literally feel tied down to a job. They recognize the benefits of that nine to five job or even someone who was in one job and thought they needed to make a change and realized there was other pressures in their life and they went back to their original job. So lots of different stories. And the whole point is that I just want people to know you're not alone. If you are feeling stuck in your job, lots of people feel that way. Lots of people make that change. And so here are some stories of people who actually did it and how they did it more importantly. I love that. There needs to be more of those out there. I think you're the right person to do that. Someone that you should probably look into having on your show, her name is Dr. Dawn Graham. I don't know if you've heard of her. She owns a company or I think she's just called the Career Switch Coach. She's amazing. She teaches at Wharton. She's got her own show on XM Radio. Uh, she's fantastic. You could, everybody could learn a lot from her. And, and if you'd like, after you look her up, uh, I'd be happy to introduce you to her. She's really just top shelf. Awesome. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, she, she'd make a great, great guest. So let's talk now a little bit more about you as a person. Uh, if it's all right with you, I'd like to give the audience a better opportunity to get a better feel for you as a person, although I think it kind of has come pretty clear. <laughs> but uh, I'll do, I do something called like these rapid fire questions where I'm going to yeah. throw some questions at you. And then from there, I'd like to kind of transition and, and talk about some of the main things today, which are what we just talked about, the whole startup community and challenges that you guys are going through. So uh, without further ado... I want to know where your favorite place to get pizza is. 
So this is, I saw this question come up and it's really funny because I'm actually not a huge pizza lover. Um, so I default to wherever my husband likes to get it. Currently it's a place called Pepino's, which is here in Park Slope in Brooklyn. But I am not like a pizza connoisseur like others are. I actually would default to something like Chinese food instead. What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I feel like this podcast just went off the rails just as it was going so well. All right. Well, all right. Then how about this? Where's your favorite place to get Chinese food? So a really creative name of a restaurant, the number one Chinese place. Here. Uh, in, I think it's also in Park Slope. Maybe it's in Windsor Terrace, but in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's really funny. My husband likes to blame the fact that I grew up in New England and ate Papagino's pizza growing up, <laughs> yeah. which some people feel like is not great. I always really liked it, but he feels like maybe that tainted me against good pizza. Man, all right. I got to switch topics on you. I can't. <laughs> What's a podcast that's currently in your queue these days? Yeah. So one that I've been listening to a lot lately is actually Leadership with Heart, which is Heather Younger. She interviews leaders on how they are really kind of driving like the human side of being a leader, both the vulnerability of their own leadership, but then also recognizing what the humans on their teams need. And I think especially with everything that's going on right now, while it's obviously at the end of the day, our job to make sure we're also hitting business goals, I think it's reminded us how important the humans are in our teams. Outside of HR, I actually love comedy podcasts. So we listen to like Comedy Bang, Jimmy Pardo's got a, a podcast. So I tend to go sort of more that route in my podcast enjoyment. All right. That's good stuff. I'm always looking for new material. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I got a question for you. When you go to someone's house, what do you give as a housewarming gift? Well, it's so interesting because living in New York, a housewarming is maybe a new apartment. And so there's only so much that you can do. Mm-hmm. So, because otherwise I always, if it's someone who's moving into their house for the first time, like outside of the city, I always do either Home Depot or Lowe's because they're going to have some project that they have to work on. And so I'll do a gift card to something like that. But otherwise I try to do something more like a plant or something that's not a flower because flowers die so fast. Plant lasts a little longer. If I do know them really well, I'll try to find like a piece of art or something for their wall that I know they'll actually like not oh here's this thing i found hopefully you don't feel forced to put it up <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so funny we had uh i've actually uh, spent a decent amount of money on a good friend who bought a really nice painting and he's never put it up <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yeah i'm like yeah i don't even bring it up i don't want to make it feel awkward and like just that yeah. was like a learning experience for me like you know what let's not do that i'm gonna think a little more be a little more thoughtful i like how you're approaching things and then never have any awkward moments. <laughs> uh, so Karen, tell me something that most people don't know about you. Yeah. So my husband and I love going to concerts, which unfortunately is obviously not happening so much right now, but we especially rock concerts. So I think some people would be surprised that I really enjoy, like we've gone to Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden and Metallica and and a little more popular like Foo Fighters and Incubus and that kind of side of the house. But I really enjoy rock music. I was a huge fan of rock rap back in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Rage um, Against Machine, I guess. Huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was I was so sad. I was sad for a lot of reasons, but selfishly, I was very sad. I was uh, supposed to go see Lincoln Park literally two weeks before Chester passed away. Oh. And I had never seen them. And I'm like, this is why you don't wait. 
So yeah, so I love that kind of stuff, which some people are a little surprised by because kind of bubbly and whatever, and they're surprised like I, I want to do some headbanging and really get into it. <laughs> you just never know again, which bikes book by its cover. Easy for me to say. Right. I wow, that, that's really interesting. Okay. I want to talk now. I, I want to better understand. You you mentioned a couple uh, interesting things in terms of your background and being familiar with the, the startup community. So if you don't mind, just give a high level uh, overview of what your role is right now. Yeah. So it really is all encompassing. So we're still a small HR team. It's myself. I have a people and culture specialist who's like my right-hand person. And then prior to COVID, we had a recruiting leader as well. We've sort of slowed down on our hiring. So we made some changes there, but we're still a really small team. So my role is all of the above. It could be from doing the engagement surveys one minute. We do a monthly pulse surveys right now with everybody remote, making sure everybody's still feeling connected and, and okay about things to doing one-on-ones with folks at all levels to touch base and how they're doing, uh, touching base with new hires, but also then coaching leaders through thinking about what their teams are going to look like and organizational changes and development for their team. So it's a full range of all the different pieces. We, I love that about working for a startup. I, I care less about what my title is, and I actually like being able to do lots of different things. When I worked for a company that I was very fortunate and got to see it grow significantly, but every time we grew and I had more career opportunities, I got less connected to the day-to-day, and I really miss actually doing the work. I don't do as well like saying, okay, team, now go forth and do. I like being part of the doing. That's one benefit of working in a startup is literally it is interviewing candidates to one-on-ones to more admin stuff and like maternity leaves and that kind of stuff all the way to coaching our CEO on how to help the team through all the changes that just recently happened over the last few months. So it sounds like you have a lot of downtime. Yeah, (laughs) plenty of time to do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what are some of the biggest challenges of a startup? I think part of it is keeping the lean mentality without burning people out. So often you hire people who love being part of a startup, which means they will work their butts off. They're very passionate about what they're doing. And so they're go. And some of that is also led by the fact that usually you have smaller teams and you don't have just not literally extra people sitting around, but you don't have a lot of that backup support. And so I think it's very easy for people to not actually take time off. I think it's very easy for people to say, well, I'm just going to check in because no one's really covering for me today because I don't have a team of 20 where I've like disseminated my work for the day. And that does lead to burnout. It also leads to change fatigue. Again, people like being in a startup because lots of things change, even really good change, but that can lead to a change fatigue. So one of the things I really love, but I also spend a lot of time on is helping through the reasons we all love what we do, but also the downside of that as well. Interesting. So how do you know if people really like startups? And the reason that I ask that is because I do know a number of people that have had a really difficult time with people that think they want to be at a startup, but they truly just don't understand what that means. Not necessarily the extra hours, but not having all of the support that they might've had from a larger organization and not realizing that they the buck starts and stops with them. So there's no hiding. How do you vet that? What do you do? Have you come across some of those kinds of challenges? 
Yeah, it's really interesting because a few years ago, we hired a bunch of people from a couple of different companies that we had in our network. And we thought, oh, this is great. They come from X company. We know people there that are wonderful. And they came over and they struggled. And I think it's because they came from that company when it's at a later stage, where to your point, they had support, they had processes, they had materials and content they could turn to versus still being at the point where we were creating that from scratch every time. And so I think that was a real eye-opener for us about recognizing what does it really mean to be at our stage. And the other thing about Order Group is that even though on paper we've been around for a while, because the industry and the concept of subscriptions is still new for retailers and brands, we are earlier stage than maybe we look on paper because the industry and the area of the world is still so new. So I think we've done a we've done a lot of work to find competencies that represent that. So tell me about a time you had to start a project where you didn't have all the information you wish you had. Tell me about a time where you had to create materials or processes from scratch because it had been done before. So we try to ask some of those questions during the interview process to really focus on, to your point, do you really know what it means to be at a startup or do you just think it's cool and fun and you want to be part of something innovative, which is definitely a huge part of it, but the other side of the startup world. Interesting. And where have you had to ding people? I think the biggest part is exactly what you were mentioning earlier is they thinks the support is there. I'm a salesperson and I assume there's a huge SDR team or that I can just go to a Confluence page and pull all these decks and all I have to do is like change the logo or scripts or things like that. And we're obviously making a lot of progress there, but it's we do not have that kind of library that people can just pull from because we're still learning and growing and changing so much. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's better than it was a few years ago, but we it is definitely not like a bigger organization that has that material just handy. I think the other thing too is the amount of change. And again, it can all be good. It's not like we're choosing shiny objects. If data comes in and we need to pivot, then that's obviously what you need to do. And I think there are some people that prefer a little more stability and I have a goal, I'm reaching for that goal, I'm going to achieve that goal and then I will get a new goal versus we're going down this path oh, we just learned something new, either because we made a wrong assumption or data came in that told us we were going down the a wrong direction and we need to pivot and make that change. So people that are able to be more agile and, and adjust that way, I think are the, the two biggest areas that we've sort of seen. The other thing that's really interesting is being solution oriented. So especially as we think about engineers and product managers, we want folks where they were part of coming up with a solution, not it came down on high that I'm supposed to work on this thing. So I worked on this thing and I finished it. That's interesting. So what challenges do you come up with those that can't? What do you do with those people? Because yeah. it's not, not everybody can do this. Like this is not, this is a new way of thinking. And I, I, there's still a generation that kind of has to get through this. So, so what do you do with those that can't think that way or operate that way? Because there's a significant amount of them out there. Yeah, so it's interesting. Either we find opportunities within the organization that maybe are a little more mature than other areas. So we may have a main product or a client or whatever the right sort of scenario is that might be in a different sort of stage. And so maybe that's a better place for them. Or maybe instead of being in sales, client services is better for them. So we definitely have helped people find different career paths based on what their strengths are in the areas that they prefer. 
if they're already on the team. And then the other thing I truly believe in, and I know sometimes this is hard to hear, is that it's okay if this is not the right place for you at this time. You may not have known that coming in. We may not have identified that coming in. But if you're not happy, then don't stay. Like, there's just no reason for that. And let's have an open, mature conversation about that and help you identify what does make you happy, where you are struggling, what's frustrating to you. And either we can try to find a better place for you within the organization. And if not, then that's okay. Let's help you move on in a professional and supportive way versus it going the other direction. And all of a sudden we're having performance conversations and negativity and and your exit is very different. Yeah, I like that. I don't know if you have a general philosophy of hiring where if you come across someone who's awesome, but you don't necessarily have a role for them, do you try to create one? Or are you specifically just hiring for a particular job or function? It depends. Normally, we're hiring for a specific job or function because we are pretty lean. And so we don't have, if I create a role for somebody that's probably taking budget away from a role we had already planned. No, that may make sense. And maybe we decide to hold one role because this is just such an amazing opportunity. And we've definitely done that, you know, a couple of times over the years. It also probably depends on the level. If it's someone who's more senior and we realize the impact they're going to have from day one, again, maybe you pause something else to make that happen. But the other thing I actually really believe in is, so let me introduce you to other people. So this may not be the right time for us to have a relationship, but I know plenty of other people that are hiring for roles like your skills fit. Let me make some of those introductions for you. I like that. I like that a lot. So tell me about culture. How important is it at a startup? What are you doing, I guess, to define the culture as well as to maintain it, especially as you're going through this growth? Yeah, I think it is really important to identify it pretty early on because hopefully your startup does really well and you are growing faster than you realize. And all of a sudden you're at 30, 40, 50 people and you haven't taken that step to identify what you want your culture to be and what your values are. And it's a lot harder to do it at that point. So I think it's really important that you actually take steps early on to find those opportunities to identify your culture. And I think some people get intimidated by that. It could be just identifying some key things like, are you going to have a really open and honest and transparent communication line in your organization? Are your teams going to be siloed or are they going to be much more collaborative? And there's no right or wrong answers for any of this. But if you ask those questions and start to decide on some of those things earlier on, don't worry about wordsmithing values or anything if you don't want to. But it starts to lay the foundation of this is the kind of company we're going to be. Therefore, these are the kinds of attributes that we want to hire for because people will be successful when they know the kind of the way the team works. And I think that's really important as you build out your team, because if you do it too late, either you're fixing something that went wrong or it feels like a forced exercise and not everybody's going to really be botting because you're 50, 70 people trying to identify what your culture is. And, and at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to values. What are your values? And if you actually live those values throughout your organization, then it will feel very real. Mm, that's good. So h- how important is the onboarding experience? when it comes to just the, again, culture, experience, assimilation? Yeah, it's really interesting because especially as we've all been remote for many months and at least we've decided to stay remote through the rest of 2020, onboarding has been a real challenge because 
some of that you just feel by being together and you meet people in the kitchen and you overhear something and you go, oh, I didn't recognize what that was. And you spin your chair around to learn more. And that's just not organically happening as we're all remote. And so I think onboarding, it's interesting because I think it's so important to understand how a company works and how do we communicate? How are decisions being made? Are we really hierarchical or is it more decision by committee or how focused are we are on quarterly goals versus annual goals? And I think those are all things that you learn as part of onboarding besides the obvious, this is my job and this is who I work with and those sort of things. And so we've actually shifted some of our onboarding to focus a lot more on relationship building. Then you'll learn the skills as you go. And obviously the skills for your actual job are important early on still, no matter what. But instead of it used to be, you started your day, you got the tour of the office, and then you probably sat at your computer for an hour or so setting up your email and everything. We now actually have you meet your manager first thing. You meet with me. You meet with other people on your day. Your first couple of days are probably exhausting because it's all over Zoom right now is a lot more relationship building and then fill in the time in between by setting up your email and that kind of stuff. Well, you got me a relationship building. (laughs) (laughs) And then have you heard the, I'm a quote guy. I love quotes and statistics. And there was one that I came across that I'd love to get your perspective on. What does it mean to you? And that is companies with engaged employees enjoy two and a half times more revenue growth versus competitors that have low engagement levels. What are are your thoughts on that? Agree, disagree? And if so, I'd love to have you expand on what that means to you. Yeah. So probably not surprising. I do agree. I think it actually goes back to why I think it's so important to start to do the work to identify what your culture is going to be early on. Because just like you probably get some financial things in place early on, you want to get some sort of product roadmap together early on. You want to make sure you're hiring the right people at the right time because they really are your biggest asset. You, Even if you are selling widgets, you need to make sure you have the right people building those widgets. And so if you have the right people, they are going to drive your business success. They're going to hit, they're going to help you hit your goals. They're going to help you build revenue, all those things. When people are engaged and they believe in something and they're passionate about something, they put way more of themselves into it. And again, I don't mean burnout overextension, even if it's a nine to five clock in clock out job between those hours of nine to five, if you have happier, excited, engaged, passionate employees, they are going to put more effort in, which only helps your business hit its goals, which is usually revenue and those sort of important metrics. Yeah. Any tips that are strategies that you've used in the past, or at least that you're familiar with that can help to get people more engaged? Yeah, I think it's really important to understand what's important to your team, both what motivates them. Are they a rewards kind of group? I worked for a company that had a huge call center at my last job, and we did this online point program. And so peers, managers, coworkers, everybody could kind of like award points. And then as you earned points, you could buy things on this platform. And they loved that. And so that really worked for them. That wouldn't work at Order Groove, just the personalities of the people are different. They, so one thing we do is whenever we do spot bonuses or recognition awards, we tend to do money towards experiences because it's more individualized and that's something that our team tends to enjoy more. And like I said, it's about finding what motivates your group of folks. It's not going to be cookie cutter for everybody. And I feel that way about perks, about rewards, Know how it ties to your culture and know what is meaningful to your people 
And that will actually help the engagement and recognition piece of it. I think that's brilliant. And that again, that all comes back to the original, hiring the right people that fit your culture. If you understand, then if you understand your culture, you understand what motivates your culture, what motivates your culture, then you can incentivize them accordingly and everybody wins. Yes. And it all comes back to, it feels more genuine as a culture if everything's kind of tied together. So one of our values is what you see is what you get, which is all about individuality and authenticity. And so having me say, here's $250 to an experience of your choice supports that because I'm not trying to force you to enjoy something that you may not enjoy. So we're running out of time here. I got one last question for you. What was the best advice that somebody ever gave you? Uh, Yeah, I'd like to hear that. And if there's other advice that you think is that everybody should listen to, whether it was that one or something else, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, it's sort of an amalgamation of a couple of people, uh, but the advice was very similar. And it was sort of figure out who you are and then be that person and don't be afraid of being that person. When I was earlier in my career, I definitely tried to fit this mold. I mentioned like, I like going to rock concerts. I'm passionate about what I do. And that pretty much comes through in my personality. I worked for an international consulting firm and it just was not for me. I had to wear a suit every day. I had to call the head of the company, Mr. So-and-so, and that's just not who I am. For some people that's fits and kudos to you have an amazing career there, but that's just not me. And I think I kept thinking that as I got more senior, I had to become a certain thing. And while of course I'm professional and put on the right face for a board meeting or whatever, I'm still me. And I think that is the best advice I ever got. That's when I became happier in my personal life was accepting that this is the kind of life I want to lead. It made me actually more successful in my professional life because people got to know me and see the real me and I'm either the right person for your organization or I'm not, and that's okay. And so I think the authenticity piece and really allowing my personality to shine through was some of the best advice that different mentors gave me. And it's funny because if I look back on my childhood, a couple of meaningful people in my family were like that. And I just didn't recognize it because they were my you know, grandmothers. They weren't people who I thought about in careers and all that. And so, but I really always valued them because they were who they were you know, no excuses and no apologies. That's excellent. I think that's great advice too. Did you ever hear of uh, Google did? It's called Project Oxygen. Oh, is that put your oxygen mask on first and like taking care of your own team? No, the Project Oxygen, they did a study where they were trying to figure out what was the secret sauce behind their most successful teams. And this was like, they couldn't figure it out. So it was this big study And finally, when they did figure it out, it made so much sense. But at the end of the day, it was that the the teams that felt the most psychologically safe, meaning they could be their authentic self. And those that the managers and the organizations and the teams that let those people feel that had the highest levels of feeling psychologically safe, i.e. comfortable with who they are, everything that you were just talking about, were uh, far and away the highest performers. Again, it's just echoing reinforcing exactly what you just said they just did it from a scientific standpoint (laughs) uh, and anything that google does pretty much is pretty solid so i'm yeah (laughs) so i think you're in some pretty good company karen this has been a lot of fun loving your energy loving your insights love how we connected can you say your podcast one more time for other people that want to really get to know you better of course thank you it's called um getting off the hamster wheel and it's on all the platforms it's supposed to be on. And we do new episodes every Monday. Awesome. 
Thank you so much for being a guest. You make it a great day. Thank you so much for having me. You too. Many thanks for listening to Who's Who in HR. If you're looking to connect with more top-level HR professionals, be sure to log on to NetworkWise.com to find out how you could be part of an HR mastermind group. Also, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on everything happening with NetworkWise. In the interim, make it a great day and remember to always NetworkWise.